Hi, I'm David Gare, and you're listening to the Cricket Podcast. The Cricket Podcast. I think it should never be permitted to happen again. That is very good. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cricket Podcast with me, Jack Hope, Ross Legg. Hello. And Max Rowe-Brown. Hello. This week on the show, we will be talking about England. They just wrapped up a 2-1 series win over the West Indies. What did they do well? What didn't go so well? Uh, And how did our predictions go? Uh, Then, we've got a very special treat for you. We are joined by Audrin Flynn from Cricket Europe to talk about Irish cricket in advance of England's three-match ODI series this week uh, against the Irish. And before we get on with that, uh, let's let's address the 500-wicket elephant in the room. Uh, Stuart Broad, boys, um, we'll, we'll get into a little bit more detail about Wicket 500, but but from his career, what's your favourite Stuart Broad moment? Oh, there's, there's not even a shadow in my doubt what it is. It's when he didn't walk <laughs> against the Australians. <laughs> and on my piece say. of paper here, I have Ross says when Broad didn't walk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you went first, because I was going to say, Ross, can you go first in case he takes the one I think he is? Yeah. Indeed he did. Um, <laughs> shall I put some uh, some yin and yang to that? And uh, well. well, I just want to mention, if, if, if there, is a, there is a picture I saw today, so it was on the, kind of the best moments of Stuart Broad, and they are the whole of the Australian cricket team, not, not only all the stand, they are just standing, hand on hips, middle of the wicket, just staring at Stuart Broad <laughs> after he's literally just got a smirk on his face at the other end of the Ian Bell. It, it was a fine moment. A less fine moment from Stuart Broad, which I'd like to um, proffer, is the four overthrows against the Netherlands. Oh, that was oh, good. I, I don't know if it even went to four, though, did it? I think it was one overthrow, but it Oh, well, lost, enough but... overthrows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot that even happened. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the old English selective memory. No, it's just like, Stuart Broad's been around for a long time, hasn't he? Honestly, um... I it didn't even have to think to come up with, like, five different really great broad moments. Uh, shall I go with the, the eight for 15? Someone's then, got to. Yeah, and then we've covered we've covered the high, the low, the the oh I don't even know what you say about the walk uh, <laughs> or the not walking. The ridic- the sublime to the ridiculous. Yeah, uh, that that was great. I loved the eight for fifteen. Um, yeah, he's, he's been a great servant to English cricket, and it, he's got he's got miles to the clock. Like he's just, he's proved it this this kind of series that he's still got it. So uh, long live Stuart Broad. Um, yeah. Um, should we mention how to find the cricket podcast, Ross? Yep, you can find us at Twitter and Instagram at the Cricket Pod. Um, what we want to do at the moment, though, is for you to tell a friend. We want you to tell a friend, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and leave us a review. That would be most appreciated. Yeah, do all those things. Uh, particularly tell a friend. We, we've we, we've seen good audience growth since we started the Tell a Friend um, campaign a month ago, mm-hmm. uh, and we want to hashtag continue. Tell a Friend. Yeah. Um, should we take a quick break and then return with a? little review of the third test. Sounds good to me. Jacinda Ardern. Peter Jackson. Helen Clark. Sonny Bill Williams. Flight of the Concords. Edmund Hillary. Can you hear me? Edmund Hillary. You boys took the hell of a beating. You boys took the hell of a beating. So today, England surged to victory against the West Indies to regain the Wisdom Trophy for what I believe is the last time before it mm-hmm. has its name changed. Um, in, in the series as a whole, did we learn anything? Yeah, don't play three tests in a week. Um... Or three weeks, or two and a half weeks, or whatever it was, would be the first thing I learned. I see. I I really enjoyed it. I think um, we learned quite a lot, actually. Not not about the England team per se, but actually um, purely in the fact that that because COVID exists, cricket can still happen, and that's 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 the biggest thing for me. I think. Okay, so you learned what was like right in front of you. I think I, that's top level analysis, boys. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I was thinking that I don't know if we've learned anything. I mean. 
thinking now about the teams themselves, whether we've learned anything or whether we've just had some things confirmed for us that we well, suspect is in first place. Yeah, I think actually, we, we, so we probably learned from our um, for, from for English fans probably learned that the West Indies are okay um, in the right conditions and uh, given the right circumstances, and they probably also learn if you I mean if you, if you if you hadn't watched cricket for years and and this was the the first series you watched you probably also learned that like having some ability to rotate your bowling attack clearly benefits <laughs> your your team if if you're just going to be playing cricket five five days out of eight um and yeah that's otherwise i think you're kind of right we we saw that england when they bat well are better than the west indies in english conditions yeah that that gamble the west indies played in the what the second test match unchanged 11 it was at what four days after after the first game unchanged aside honestly it completely ruined the next two test matches for them i mean that that's easy to say with the benefit of hindsight though isn't it i mean i was listening to michael holder today on um, on sky and he was saying that um you know shannon gabriel bowled brilliantly in the first test looked really hostile was bowling quickly and he was watching him when they were doing their warm-ups in the morning over the next few days and in the nets, and he looked good. He was still bowling quickly, and he looked still up for it. So, uh, I mean, it seems well, like well, maybe they just made the decision he still, based he still on... He took a boatload of wickets. The reality well, is, just... yeah, he was their top wicket-taker. It, it, what's clear, though, is that England have got a lot more in the bank when it comes to the ability to rotate your bowling attacks. I mean, England's England's bowling attack... England, how many bowlers did England use? So they used uh, Wokes, uh, Broad, well, All of Anderson, the seamers. Curran... Archer. Was there anyone yeah. else? So there's five. Then you've got Stokes, who bowls, and Best. So England had seven bowlers. All of them took wickets at some point in, in that series. Um, all of them got a break, apart from Best, who basically got a break because he didn't actually bowl. Yeah, a bit of a TFC, <laughs> wasn't it, this one? He played a whole test match. Um, he hit 18 not out and got a direct hit. That was his whole contribution. Yeah. It was a good um, run out, though. It was a good run out. Yeah, but I, I think fundamentally, like if this, if these are the conditions that you play Test cricket under, then England will will pump every team that isn't India or Australia. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think uh, Max, on your point around what do we actually learn, I've got a couple of things here. Um, Raheem Cornwall's not as good as we hoped he'd be. <laughs> I think it was one of my things. No, it was. Um, it's ball. a bit harsh though, wasn't it? Parachuting him in for one game at the end. Oh, we bowled 46 overs, so he had ample opportunity, but he bowled seven maidens, naught for 164. Not so that's not great. great. Um, he faced 90. Everybody said he's an all rounder. He's not an all rounder. He faced 19 balls in a test match and got 12 runs, so uh, he's not an all rounder. Joffre Archer is a genuine number 11 and should not be batting as high as he does. Yeah, I mean, that's where I, 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 I disagree maybe on that. Um, should, we, should we, like, quickly, before we wrap up the whole series, should we go through this test? Um, if we start at the beginning. Um, in fact, like, we'll cast your minds back to the first test of the series and we, we hammered England for picking the wrong team and then doing the wrong thing at the toss. Um, so it was nice the West Indies to finish things um, <laughs> by, 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 symmetry. by picking the wrong team and, um, and, uh, and then making the wrong decision at the toss. Um, and then after England's batting innings, the, I think the game game's effectively over. Uh, I'm absolutely uh, baffled by that decision to... To bowl first after what happened, what four days before? It's yeah. just a, I think Carlos Brathwaite said it on TMS. They're saying that um, the management at West Indies just don't have any faith in that batting lineup to hit runs. What would you? Not, well, no, but that, in my head, that's that's a bit of a cop out as they're the ones selecting them. They're not. They didn't give other people a chance. They gave Shy Hope another chance, who got a fluky thirty today. But again, they didn't do anything to reassure that top order. Yeah, but they didn't win the first test by not scoring runs, did they? I mean, the talent's there. I don't know if it is. I, I, I think you have to... The, the, I, I, to go back to the, the point we were talking about a minute ago, I think we're looking at two very different levels of test nation. Yeah, um, that's fair. And, yeah. and England are probably on the way up as well, which is... Um, concerning if you are the West Indies <laughs> but you, you want to give yourself the best chance and um, by bowling first on on that pitch given what happened before you're, you're not doing that yeah no I totally agree with that um, then moving later on to, into the test match um, when, when, when England win a, t- a test match this easily um, against a, an opposition that I think were absolutely exhausted 
Um, it, they're, they're t- talking points hard to come by. I've got here, our openers are all right. Yeah. Well, yeah. they're all right now that Rory Burns somehow realised that he could sweep and reverse sweep the ball. It struggled the whole series against Roston Chase. Didn't try any sweep shots. Finally played it. Yeah, Roston Chase has got a bit of a bunny there, hasn't he? Yeah, Even on 90, he got him. <laughs> um, uh, and then the other thing I've got down here is... Um, this isn't even really about the cricket, but people kept complaining on the internet and on um, TMS that it was ridiculous that England weren't... Well, we're not starting at 10 o'clock because we're in Manchester and it rains and we need longer to play the game. Um, I think that's ridiculous myself because if you try and play cr- cricket at 10 o'clock in Manchester, it's not going to be last very long. <laughs> that's not a very good point. That's See, I'd be really struggled. I, I think the point possibly to make is that four-day tests won't work because what you've (laughs) what you've seen there is a game where one side has been so much better than the other and deserves to win and if you'd had a four-day test it would have been a draw and that would have been a travesty like when you when if if one day is rained off and you're taking a quarter of the game out of it in a four-day test it's yeah you can't really do it i don't think yeah um that's that's pretty any... Ollie Pope said before on the preview show that he's good against spin, proved that with his 91, but then uh, failed to add, which was a little bit disappointing. Um, but he is a gun fielder. He's proved that so far. This he's, he's taken some unbelievably good catches. Yeah, off no balls. Yeah, off no... <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> okay, well, let's let's look at the rest of the series, shall we? So uh, there were some great moments. Obviously, Stuart Broad gets to 500 wickets, which is fantastic. Um, Ed Smith, genius. Proven again. Was it? Yeah, drop well, him. It's mind games, him. isn't it? Man it's management. Uh, in the England setup, also not learning any lessons from um, previous batters such as Denley, Balance, Vince, Jennings, Hales, or Roy um, by playing with Crawley. So since his debut, David at six, then was dropped, opened in uh, South Africa, then got pumped down to four for Southampton, and then dropped again. <laughs> it's not very. It's just not a good way of uh, treating someone, is it? If I'm perfectly honest, as a young player. No. Wokes at yeah. three. Don't, don't you start. Uh, and and Ashley, Ashley Giles doing his best to be really angry and reprimand Joffre Archer with his £180 million. You could have cost us this. Chill out, Gilo. Um, and then uh, I think that's ultimately, I thought it was good though. I enjoyed the SIP test series. I thought the quality of cricket was actually pretty good on the whole. Kemar Roach is absolutely fantastic and I love him to bits. He's a brilliant competitor. Yeah, no, I think it was good. Like it was good to have cricket back. I, I, I just think it's a shame that um, that it wasn't fair. If that makes sense, like it's 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 the, the we see we see in the first test that the two teams can compete given the right circumstances, and I, I just don't think for the second two tests the right circumstances were there. Fair enough. Uh, who are you, who were your favourite players then out of the zero? Who do you think performed the best? From either side. Um, so well, so before the series, I I thought Burns would top score for England. He batted okay. I thought um, second top. Yeah, yeah. So that wasn't too far away. And I, I picked Broad as the top wicket taker, which I was bang on with. Um, I would say player of the series for me, or the player I enjoyed watching the most, uh, probably was Broad. Uh, what a broad story it was um, to be dropped in the first test. Go in the Big Brother room, slag everyone off, come back, and then take was it seventeen for one hundred and sixty in the next two matches? Yeah, he went full broad, didn't he? Um, so I'd say broad just for for pure broadness. Wins wins my player of the series. Max, yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I, th- I think um, just it was a, it was a great story, wasn't it? Dropped, come back. Let me, I'll I'll show you. Oh, and he actually did. Um, <laughs> I I mean I think Shannon Gabriel deserves a mention for his performance in the first test. I I had him down for top wicket take, top wicket take because I thought I was going to try and be clever. Oh, it wasn't too far off. No, yeah. Um, what, what did you think about kind of the Holder versus Ben Stokes kind of battle? Yeah, well, there was a lot about that the in the build-up, wasn't there, of uh, the battle of the all-rounders, and I think it was a, a fairly comfortable win for uh, Ben Stokes from from my point of view. Yeah, I mean, I'd say it was a win. I don't know if I would say it was comfortable. I mean, I think Holder influenced the 
the outcome of the first test incredibly significantly by taking six for 42 and not ending it as a contest, but certainly um, giving the West Indies a huge chance to win uh, a, a, a test away from home. Um, and then Stokes sort of did the same with the bat and then maybe slightly later with the ball in the, in the, in the second test. And then the third test, neither really had much of an impact on the outcome of the game. So if you look at it from a who 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 from an all-round performance, I think you probably would say Stokes, yeah. But uh, I think from who had the biggest impact on matches, I think you could argue one all. And a, yeah, a, maybe. And a I'm judge's probably, decision I'm, to Stokes. I'm talking from a stats point of view here, in that Ben Stokes averaged ninety, and uh, with the bat, and took nine wickets at sixteen point three with the ball. It's, it's not bad. Um, by comparison, Holder averaged twenty-two point eight with the bat and took ten wickets at thirty. You do you do have to remember that Holder is bowling at England and Stokes is bowling at West Indies, so that's true. Uh, well, from my point of view, I think um, who I was really impressed with was um, Blackwood and Brooks. Yeah, they actually looked like some really fluent players. They looked like there was some real potential there, and actually they were fantastic to watch. Brooks yeah, in particular, I, I was really impressed with. I I really like Blackwood. I think um, he's found a way of playing cricket that is very entertaining to watch but also, he has a lovely back foot cover drive yeah but also like reasonably effective um so mm-hmm. hopefully that he, he gets a a few years out of um out of out of, out of the changes he's made well uh, i really enjoyed it as i said um i mean there was some great coverage the whole way through of the black lives matter through to strauss talking about um the ruth strauss foundation sky did a great job tms did a great job um did you see carlos brathwaite doing the shipping forecast I did no. not know. Oh, you should go and watch it. It's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> he absolutely nails it. And he's a brilliant, absolutely brilliant commentator. Um, I think that's what we have for yeah. the test match. Unless um, you've well, got anything else. The um, series. We've done the good bits. What was your What were your low points of the series? Or who do you think didn't have a good time? Because it's important we apportion blame to people as well as praise. Well, I, I'm just trying to think of if you were to... Look at anything from that test series and then put it forward to what's going to happen with the Pakistan series. Um, I like the fact that we we talked about last week about the four-pace seamer attack. And actually, Don Best might end up being a bit of a casualty for that because they proved actually it can work. And we probably need another batsman. I think we got out of jail a little bit from perfectly honest. Joss Butler finally hit some runs. Well, Stuart Broad hit 60. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> His biannual half-century. Yeah, I mean that, and you're playing against a team that have fundamentally given up, like trying to score runs. Um, Ross, I don't think I really got who. Who are you blaming for something? I'm not blaming. I'm not blaming anyone. No, I'm no, moving away from. I'm moving away from that. You're moving away from like Max. Surely, and I'm, I'm looking forward. Max, surely you can find someone to blame. Oh, blame away. You know me. Um, still, still don't see what Butler's doing. <laughs> I have to know, still that sixty-seven will guarantee his place for at least the next three test matches. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, and well, to be fair, if we're not going to if we're not going to play any spinners, then um, you could argue that we don't necessarily need folks in there to be the better wicketkeeper either. But um, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see. Um, it's, it's shy hope. It's uh, it's a shame, isn't it? But he's he's really not. As as they've laboured the point on. Uh, on Sky and various other places. He's not kicked on the way that everyone hoped he would since Headingley. No. no. Yeah. Um, he looks a little bit out of his depth. Yeah, just just too shy to score runs. <laughs> is uh, is all hope lost? <laughs> no. I think the biggest down point for me was um, them kind of try, almost trying to scapegoat Joffrey Archer. I didn't didn't like that at all from the England setup. I think in the end it was kind of blown out of all proportion. Um, but what I enjoyed that I haven't mentioned is around the Big Brother chair, and actually I thought the access to the players and what came out of the masterclasses was fantastic. Cool, yeah. All right, very good. I'm actually just angling for a job for Sky in the last five minutes. <laughs> Sounding a bit like it. I heard there were a few um, openings as well. <laughs> um, right, that's, I think, everything on the West Indies, um, the England v West Indies series. Uh, it was, it's been good to have cricket back, but we look forward, after a short break, to the next cricket, England v Ireland. We love hearing from our listeners, so please follow us at the Cricket Pod on Twitter and Instagram. 
Or if you have a great story, like Scotty G did, about the Hayden Way, Matthew Hayden's personal website, we want to hear about it. So from wherever you're from, send us in a great story and we'll read it out on the show. Email us on thecricketpod at gmail.com. Thank you very much. So yes, we are looking forward, Jack. Um, we've got the upcoming three-match ODI series against Ireland, um, all played at the Southampton AGS Bowl. Um, we do a bit of a preview on Ireland and a bit of the history of Ireland. Well, not really history, but what the kind of health of cricket is at the moment in Ireland with Auden Flynn in the uh, in an upcoming interview, um, which you can listen to there. Um, the man can talk, and he's very interesting, so uh, <laughs> I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Um, but first, lads, in terms of England's chances, we've named different sides in terms of test matches, ODIs, you're not going to have like the likes of Ben Stokes, Joe Root playing in these ODIs. Um, Joe Denley has weaseled himself a place, which is uh, always great to see from an English perspective. Um, how do you think it's going to go, Max? And uh, are, you, are you excited for the ODIs? I am excited. I'm not as excited as I would for the test matches, but um, nonetheless, it's cricket. Cricket's back, and I'm still happy about it. And I think, um, well, let's let's be honest, it should be a fairly comfortable 3-0, whatever side England put out. I think um, there will probably be some big numbers in the runs column. And, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to some fireworks. Yeah, I, I, I similarly um, I am looking forward to it. Um, and I'd probably echo what you say, Max. I'm looking forward to the, the test matches more. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's the beginning of another, well, it's what, what are we, a year into the four-year ODI cycle. Mm. Um, so England are clearly, I think this might be the first time we get to see some of the players England want to have a look at over the next three years in action. So I, I, Plus I'm, Joe Denley. Plus Joe Denley. Um, so I, that's why I, 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 the only thing I, I mean, it's not, it's not that I'm not looking forward to it because of this, but I think England squad... Bearing in mind the the I've stopped saying this the, the four year ODI cycle, um, <laughs> it would have been nice to, if it was a little bit younger, a little bit fresher, um, and we had a look at some other talent. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think a lot of the players in there are going to be well, when the next kind of World Cup roll round, they're going to be like thirty three to thirty four. Yeah, and you're sitting there going, well, actually, where if 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 Rashid is to get injured, for example, who's the like for like replacement for Rashid? We've not got a leg spinner coming. We've got Parkinson. He's injured for this. But actually, is he the only one that we're doing? Because we're not looking at the others like Mason Crane or like that anymore, are we? Yeah, no. Um, and and similarly, um, batting-wise, I mean, you'd assume that like Bairstow and Roy and the and Stokes, etc., will still be around. It, it feels like they they've got another World Cup in them. Um, but it would be nice to see someone like Phil Salt come in um, when we've got the opportunity to against with with all due respect slightly weaker opposition um, in, in Ireland. Um, and okay. and whilst you're not dropping someone to bring them in, you've got a free chance to, to play um, to play someone new and instead play Joe Denley. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, what I do like is Tom Banton is inside. He is a young, exciting uh, prospect. Sam Billings is back as well, uh, so the Kent captain. Um, and as, as you kind of said, there is some... Older statesmen in there, Roy, Bairstow, Vince, Denley, etc. Well, Sam Billings um, is 29 now, so it's about time he um, made a name for himself as well if he wants to get picked. Yeah, I think he's, he's, always been, he's always been on the periphery, isn't he? He's always been like a really good 12th man, 13th man kind of thing, but never quite good enough to make it. He's sort of fallen um, into the crack of cracks of too many wicket keepers. He has indeed. Uh, what is good, though, Moen Alley is the vice-captain, uh, which I think is a, is a great move. Um a very shrewd operator, as he demonstrated for Worcestershire. Um, I think there's also an eye here on the 2020 World Cup. There are things, there are people there that they are trying to put in, um, and it's good to see that Reese Topley is back. England's love affair with left armers and is 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 strong and well. Yes, yeah. Him and David Willey. Right. Um, I think that's that's England sort of covered. Um, shall we move on and invite Audran Flynn into the room? Today, we are joined by Audran Flynn, cricket writer for Cricket Europe, specialising in Irish cricket. He's with us to preview the upcoming three-match series between England and Ireland. Uh, how are you, Audran, and are you looking forward to the cricket? I am indeed. 
because obviously this is going to be the only three three games Ireland will have this year, apart from when they played there January and February in uh, West Indies and uh, UAE, was it? Um, and there was nothing else because it was going to be a, a full year of massive amount of cricket. There isn't supposed to be four test matches, about dozen or more than a dozen T20s, T20Is and, and quite a few ODIs as well. This is it. This is what we're getting for the rest of the year. You know, everything was going to be built up towards the World Cup, the T20 World Cup. The entire mm. season was sort of gearing to that. Uh, and that's gone now for another year. And that's, that obviously leaves a difficulty for some of the older players. You know, will they keep going? Can they keep going physically? You know, I mean... Well, some of the well, Porterfield's that, been going for about 25 years. So I'm sure it'll be absolutely well, fine. Well, it is. And, you know, and that's probably one of the reasons one of the, that Irish cricket has sort of fell away for a number of years there after the two, when 2015 when Phil Simms went to, to uh, become the coach of the West Indies. Um, while Phil was very successful, I mean, obviously Ireland came from what, what was perceived as nowhere in 2007 up to 2015. And they, they had a very good record at the World Cup, uh, at the various World Cups that they, they, they qualified for three in a row. And in fact, not many people actually, Sandra Michael came there, not many people know this. <laughs> Ireland, Ireland, Ireland has the record. They're the only team ever in World Cup finals to chase down 300 plus three, uh, on three separate occasions. Nobody else has done that. You're welcome. <laughs> at, least I've got, at least I've got one Irish supporter on the, on the panel there. Yeah. Thanks for that, Max. <laughs> But um, so, you know, some of the older players now, I mean, sorry, I was going to say Phil. Phil, because Ireland was so successful at associate level, I mean, one being something like over 90% of their games against other associates um, mm-hmm. and one trophy after trophy. He was very reluctant to change the team and bring new players in um, because the, the, what Ireland wanted to do was become a full member and every single game counted, you know, towards sort of trying to convince ICC this would happen. Um, and therefore, very few new players come through. Then we were given John Bracewell to take over, which was sort of like, I don't know. John Bracewell was not a good coach for Ireland, and that's been, that's been kind to him. You know? <laughs> I, I interviewed him several times, and, and on a number of occasions I had it correct what actually happened to the match we just watched, <laughs> <laughs> including the score. <laughs> Pretty weird. Anyway, so, you look, he was the disaster. Ireland went on a run. You know, many people remember, people in Irish remember that the, the ODI in Lords, there was two, there was one in Bristol the previous Thursday, I think it was, when Ireland, like, the game was over before lunchtime. England won the game before lunch. You know? yeah. mm-hmm. And then we played at Lords on the following Sunday, which was a great occasion. There was about 20, 25,000 people at it. And it was a, okay, it was May, but it wasn't that cold. It was sunny. And you're up in the media centre, it doesn't really matter because it's lovely anyway. And the food's good. Anyway, <laughs> but... Um, we actually looked okay that day, but people forget that was in the middle of a run, I think, of 12 successive defeats. And that started a bit to push the Irish public's view away, change their view a bit from Irish cricket, because they were used, I mean, the vast majority of Irish public, as they do in other sports, I mean, Ireland are a great country for jumping on bandwagons, you know, even <laughs> though they know nothing about the sport they're doing. I mean, the Irish women's hockey qualified for the Olympics. And in fact, they came second in the World Cup there was last year, it was last year, maybe two years ago now. Do you know? And everybody in Ireland became a hockey expert. <laughs> well, you want to see the Brits when the curling's on in the Winter Olympics. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, it's. Uh, we, I watch that myself because it's better than watching Sky Sports sometimes. But um, yeah, look, at, um, but at least you occasionally win things. Not that many. I mean, Ireland only got something like 20, I think it's 24 Olympic medals in their history. I mean, mm-hmm. you nearly got that one day in 2012. Yeah, well, with a metal some, machine. Yeah, well, at least some of them. Even some of them weren't even on drugs, you know. (laughs) We don't don't care at all about grassroots. We're all about, let's see if we can get the doping done correctly. Absolutely, absolutely. And I believe believe your advisor is from Russia. Would that be true? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what I'm hearing there is that actually Ireland coming over, even though they've got three scheduled tests, actually that this series is actually really important for Irish cricket. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's vital because they say uh, we, uh, we finally got to a stage when the transition period actually took place and it was delayed by several years because of uh, the wrong coach. Because, you know, nobody wanted to finally tell some of the players, look, hello, lads, your, your time is up. Move on. 
you know. And now with this last 12 months, we got in about six or seven younger players who had started to develop very well. Players like uh, Gareth Delaney, who has got a hundred and... And after 21 innings, he's got a striker of 150 in, in T20 internationals, which is pretty decent going by any standard. It's not bad. Um, you know, and Josh Little, who is a left arms pace bowler, uh, it can be a bit erratic, but he's only 20 years of age. Do you know, I mean, he could drop from the squad for a while because he went to a concert instead of going to going training. Do you know, I mean, <laughs> no. Um, so has he actually got? Is he actually fast though? Has he got proper pace, or is he kind no, of? No, he's Irish. He's Irish fast. Irish. I mean, Tim Murta. Oh no 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 no, 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 not that quick. No, not that quick. No, he was. He he has been clocked at, a, at about 85, 86 miles an hour. Which is good. You know, he was. He actually, when the last time Ireland, yeah, it was only last year, it seems longer. When Ireland played England in May of last year in an ODI in Malahide, um, England won. But he took four wickets and he and he bounced Owen Morgan out third ball. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so he, he's quick enough. His attitude hasn't always been the best. He, as you say, has gone off to concerts rather than actually playing, uh, wanting to play. But he's got a new attitude, apparently. He's, he's, he's knuckled down. He only went for 70 runs the other day against the English Lions of seven overs, which is pretty good. Um, but he um, he's there. Unfortunately, her, her probably Gareth Delaney's cousin, first cousin, is a guy called David Delaney, who's 22 now, just turned 22. He's actually is genuinely quick. He played in the, um, I've seen him play live, um, and he played in the World Cup T20 qualifiers in UAE last October, November. And uh, he was, he regularly got over 90 miles an hour and hit 92 at one point, you know, and he's genuinely quick. He's sort of skiddy bowler. He's a bit like, more like Mark Wood than sort of, you know, that, that would be, I would, he would equate him more of that. He's not that particularly tall, but he's skiddy mm-hmm. and, he's, and he, he's very hard to pick up his length. Now, if you're going 90, 92 miles an hour and you're playing in Ireland and a club cricket, um, you know, a lot of people don't want to know. <laughs> uh, so he is quick. Unfortunately, in that tournament last October, he damaged his knee quite badly and he hasn't played since. Um, I, they thought about bringing him on this trip across to this weekend in Southampton, but they decided not to, just give him a bit more time, you know, because it was a bad ligament injury. Um, so, yes, to go back to the original question about two hours ago. Um, <laughs> Yes, this is very, very, very important. It's very important for the development of the younger players. It's also, of course, important in this new World Cricket League or Super League, whatever they're calling it now, um, which means that in 2023, the top seven plus India will qualify for, for the World Cup automatically. And then the, the other, what's it, five countries come into, will go into a, uh, another qualifier, pre-qualifier, along with four, four or five associates. So that is important for Ireland. I mean, Okay, realistically, Ireland could not expect to be in the top eight or top seven. It would exclude India anyway. Well, you get you get five points for a for a rained off game. So for all the four that you are do. home, you're in with a shout of twenty points there. Yeah, actually, I I would have thought we should have got points for COVID because we had three we missed six home matches there in the, during the last month or two, and we could have got six points. We got to go, what the thirty points we could have had. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, so look, you know, the ambition I would imagine for the the, the next week or so. Is that if Ireland can actually get one, win one of the three games, that would be a major result for Ireland. Major, major result. And the English team, now it's hard to tell. I mean, obviously, this is not England's first team, not their main team, because most of the, a lot of the players are up in Manchester now after the, um, the Test Series. And then the next one is starting next, I think it's next week against Pakistan. So the likes of Ben Stokes is not there, for example, who, you know, now seems to, you know, be, I mean, if he actually had stayed in New Zealand, he'd be Sir Ben Stokes by now. <laughs> Well, it's, it's not to say there's not firepower in the England side, though. You've still got the kind of World World Cup winning pair of Roy and Bairstow to open up. I mean, James Vince is not too bad. We've got Super Joe Denley. In the <laughs> that 11. is true. Yo, who will bowl his left arm leg breaks. <laughs> and then you've got, Mo, I mean, Moeen Ali's now the vice captain. Yeah. Um, and then we've, we've still got the best side. Don't misunderstand me. It is a good side. I think if you win, it'll be an impressive win. That's, what, that's what I was trying Absolutely. to get across. No, I, mean, it's, it's, I mean, we haven't, we've only beat England once in ODIs. That was in, in, in uh, 2011 when the famous uh, Kevin O'Brien fast mm-hmm. as ever World Cup century. Do you know? And I mean, um, so we, you know, we don't expect to beat them. You know, I mean, re- realistically, we're on a par with Zimbabwe, 
Afghanistan, maybe on a good day, Sri Lanka, maybe, not somebody, you know, I mean, and we will still maybe pull off the odd win against the bigger size. I mean, oddly enough, well, we think we can compete with, with England because we have, we had obviously a lot of the players, well, not not so much now, but quite a few of the players had played county cricket and would have known the English players well. The likes of Australia and India, we just cannot play, cope with them. We were, we've played against them and we're in a different league to them. That's the reality of it. You know? But England, yeah, we'd always see any sport, you know, we'll always think of a chance against England on a good day. You know, on a good day, probably this week, is they only have five players turned out in a day. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but it's serious. There are a number of good young players coming through. They say young Harry Tector is an excellent player. He's 20 now. He was captaining the Wolves, which is earned 18. Um, for two years, he took over from his brother, bizarrely enough, Jack. As if anybody had a sort of said, one of the Tectors would have played cricket for Ireland at a senior level. Everybody would have said it has been his brother, Jack. Unfortunately, Jack suffered a number of injuries. One particularly bad one, she kept him out for the best part of the year. But Harry is very, very focused. Harry has no interest in going to university. He just wants to play cricket, play cricket mm -hmm. professionally, and he's a very, very talented player. And I think the odds, everything else been equal, he was most likely the person to take over from, from Balburnie when Ireland next changed the captaincy. So, I mean, if um, if Ireland are to take a game off England or or go go even better and, and maybe take two and win the series, who who do you think are those players that um, are going to need to perform well for Ireland to make that happen? Well, I mean, I mean, obviously, I mean, Ireland can even the other day against the Lions they got three hundred runs, which probably less as under par for Southampton um, where it is at the minute. I mean, our bowlers need to stand up. We can, I think, we can get runs. I mean, you have likes of Sterling. Uh, Balburnie himself. Um, it looks like, given the squad was picked announced this morning, the 14 players, it looks likely that Gareth Delaney will open it. The guy was talking about the 150 strike rate T20s. Mm -hmm. He opened the other day and not convinced he's an opener at, at 50 over matches now. I don't think he is. I think he's a bit loose. He, he, he goes after the bowling. You know, and you already have somebody like that to, with Sterling up front anyway. And Sterling is a key man, obviously, key man. Yeah. Um, and we were very fortunate that he decided when when Ireland when Ireland became a full nation, our full test nation, that he was had to choose at the end of last year between playing couldn't play for Middlesex or playing for Ireland. He couldn't do both. Tim Murtagh, obviously, which is understandable, took the Middlesex route for an extra year. Uh, Sterling decided he was young enough still to be playing sort of cricket for Ireland and keep going. And he'd get because I think Northampton had picked him up for the. Was it, I'm not sure, is it the 100 he picked them up for or was it to be the, the T20 game? I can't remember which one now. Sure, um, yeah. The Blast, what you call it? The Blast, was it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think he's picked up, uh, Northampton picked him up. So he is actually is a player who's key for Ireland, absolutely key. You know, I mean, he's he's only, he sort of has gone, only once has he missed out scoring a 50 in his last sort of 10 or 11 games, you know. Mm -hmm. And he starts and he, and he scores quickly. Um, so he is there. Bal Bernie is a good, but very good batsman, classy batsman. Also played for Middlesex, obviously. And then you've got, I mean, Kevin Brown is still, he scored 100 the other day in the inter squad game, and Kevin O'Brien can still play. Now, he's fitter actually, he's probably been for two or three years. But right. the bowling is the key. I mean, if Ireland bowl like the bowl against the England A team on Sunday, you know, I mean, that had, I would think, what, 20, they were 13 overs to spare. They were scored for hundred, no question. Well, well, don't worry, England didn't pick Phil Salt, who smashed you for. Yeah, what, I couldn't understand that. Like, you know, what's it? What? What's what's that about? I, I, I think it's just. I think it's just a bit of English PR. I think look how good our squad depth is. <laughs> we don't even have to pick this guy, and it's just. Yeah. I don't. Know, I don't know what it is. I really don't. Uh, or it's just that bit to try and get Joe Denley into one of the teams because he's not good enough for Test okay. cricket. Okay. So then we've got him on a central contract, and we're just like, well, if we're paying this guy two hundred fifty grand a year, we, he's got to do something. <laughs> he gets two hundred fifty grand a year. Wow, I think that's okay. what you get. Yeah, if you've got a, a full central contract, okay, um, that's pretty good. I think that's about probably at least three times what the Irish players get. Yeah, yeah, he likes to throw money at mediocrity. Yeah, okay. Someone was saying, sorry. So, or someone was saying today, doing a comparison of England with the West Indies, England as. Uh, Budget for the is two hundred and twenty million pounds or something like that. The West Indies. That's is right. I, I read that so somewhere today. Um, actually, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, yeah, somebody was saying, it might have yeah. been Ted Wigmore actually, was saying that uh, you know there's a push now that uh, visiting teams visiting uh, UK should get 
was it 20% or 10%? Yeah, of the, the broadcasting, broadcasting. 20% of the broadcasting. Yeah, revenue. that's, which, uh, you know, it's not, all, given, particularly given that West Indies and Pakistan next week and Ireland, obviously, have come, come over there when, you know, I mean, let's face it, it's still a dangerous situation. You know? Yeah. I mean, um, I know there's a bubble and people, you know, what I, I'm not quite clear about, I was trying to figure this out and asking someone who didn't know the answer either. The media, are they in a bubble as well? Are they allowed? Because there was this, yeah, I, I thought that somebody said, Nasser Hussein, somebody said the day at the end of the test match that some of the people in the press box were going in, coming out again, and sort of not staying the full bubble. I, I, I'm not on, I'm a little clear about that. I think they are in a bubble, but a different bubble. Yeah, I know they're on a different floor and they can't mix. I understand yeah. that. But but they can seem to be able to come and go, unlike the players, obviously, who just have to stay for the entire period. I think there's a rotation of press as well. So I don't think it's the same press doing all, all the games, which okay. might be what all you're right. talking okay. about there. Right. I think um, a lot a lot of them seem to be doing two tests and then okay. disappearing all right. or, or yeah. one. Yeah, okay. Um, but I mean, to say it is still a very dangerous situation. Um Funnily enough, the COVID situation obviously has been clearly been worldwide thing, but I, I noticed in recent times in the BBC that they've seemed to play it down. You don't really get the figures much anymore. A lot of it seems to have been you know put to one side, and yet when you actually dig into where the figures are, there's still a hell of a lot of people. I think that's the government it. more than the BBC, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. the government's not, just stopped publishing them now. Yeah, not to not to derail the conversation and uh, and, and, um, and <laughs> get into should we be paying our license fee that that yeah. debate. But, Alleged. Uh, you, actually have, you actually have a government. <laughs> I thought you had a dictatorship. Yeah, 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 read, yeah. read circus as well. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Okay. But certainly, I mean, you know, the COVID. I mean. If I was going over there, I mean, I didn't go. Uh, I didn't even consider going. I hadn't been well earlier in the year. I wasn't going to risk anything like that. Um, but, you know, and I enjoy going over to watch matches in England. I've always been over. I've been over for days. I've done many test matches I've seen and, and mm-hmm. county matches. And, and I like, I, I watch, I love watching cricket there. But I, I, think, I think it's fair to say that given that the likes of the West Indies, certainly Ireland and other countries come from Pakistan, you know, I know that everything's getting paid for them, as I understand it, but certainly their own, the finances of all of those countries are under severe threat. And I think yeah. you know, a, a percentage of the broadcast fee for coming over there, it wouldn't, it would be fairly reasonable in my view. Yeah, I think, I, I think we've covered this on, on the podcast a few times. Um, we think the way revenue shared in cricket's not equitable. And it means that even some of the, even some of the, uh, the quote-unquote proper test nations um, like South Africa, their teams ended up kind of gutted um, yep. in one way or another. Anyway, um, from this island team at the moment, so it sounds like there's a, a period of um, renewal taking place. What, what can we expect from them over, say, the next couple of years? Um, could they could they win their first test match in, 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 in the near-ish future, for instance? I would hope so. It obviously depends who they're playing in the test match. <laughs> You know, I mean, if we play Afghanistan in Ireland, yeah, I'd fancy that, all right? They played Zimbabwe in Ireland, yes, I would fancy it. Um, it's hard to know. I mean, would we beat South Africa? I mean, I, you know, I think the, the real it's realistic that we, we win, we'll win here in Dublin or Belfast, one or the other. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I wouldn't see us winning a test match in Australia or against Australia, no matter where it was. But, you know, we saw last year England, uh, when we played England last year, I mean, for two and a half days, that's all the match lasted for, um, if even that. I mean, Ireland actually did play well for the, f- the first two days. Um, and on the, f- the final morning, Ireland were very unfortunate that morning because the weather, I mean, the, if you remember, on the, particularly on the Thursday, the second day, it was the hottest day ever in the UK, ever, on that day. And the, the heat, I remember I had, to, I had to get off the tube train twice in the morning because the tube train broke down because of the heat, you know. And... Um, and then the weather changed overnight on the Thursday night. It was very humid and cloudy and damp. And the atmosphere, it was like you could cut it with a knife. And I remember David Lloyd said to me, Bumble, said to me on the beforehand, I said, what do you think on the morning? That morning he says, no, he says, England, they'll bowl Ireland for about 50. He said, they won't, he said, they will swing the ball all over the place. Mm-hmm. And Ireland won't be able to cope. And I thought he was wrong, but unfortunately he was right. You know, it was the uh, it was the first day I'd ever been in a corporate hospitality box at Lords. Yeah. Somehow wrangled myself a ticket. Turned up being the most excited young cricket fan, 
and then it was all over by what twelve thirty or one o'clock. Oh my god! Yeah, it was over, yeah. I mean, like... thirty-eight all out. I think it was. Like, <laughs> you know. And bizarrely enough, I mean, Richard Holdsworth, who is a high performance director for Cricket Ireland, came up to the media centre that morning to do a press, to do a conference with the the, the, the Irish cricket writers and journalists, whatever. Just as the Irish and started, and he did it at the back of the media box, <laughs> where they, where you get fed. Do you know? And we were going, and there's TV screen up. And after a while, I just got up and left because I wanted to see the cricket. <laughs> we were waiting until he came up to the media centre, actually, when I think about it. Well, well, speaking of Lords, so uh, last year was obviously one of the pinnacles for English yeah. cricket, yeah. and it saw an Irishman lift the World Cup. Um, yes, yes. He came uh, how, how's, that, how's that perceived in Ireland? Is it, is it, Look, is it... no, I mean, no matter what happens, you'll always get a, a percentage, and it's a relatively small percentage of people. Oh, he's a traitor. He betrayed us. He walked away and played for England. Do you know? But uh, this, the same people would tell you Ed Joyce is the greatest cricketer Ireland ever had. Almost if they forget he played for England as well. Do you know? Or Boyd Rankin, for that matter. You know, who, well, he, he did play for England. Not particularly well, in fairness. Now. Yeah, he, he, he actually demonstrated your point that Ireland would suffer against Australia. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, he, he, by his own admission, he got a horrendous tack of nerves when he was handed the ball the ball that day. Mm-hmm. He said he just, he could barely run up. You know, he just got nerves, you know. Um, and look, Boyd's a nice, lovely big man. Um, he's lost about, geez, I don't know, he's lost about maybe... 10, 10 miles an hour now pace mm-hmm. you know i mean in his early days boyd was very quick he would yeah. have got up around 90 miles an hour coming six foot eight you know i remember the first time he played against one of the top one of the associate teams at the time way back no sorry it wasn't it was against uh, pakistan in 2007 and they they, they didn't know what hit them they were <laughs> ducking all over the place that's the one ireland won obviously it set them on their way you know and boyd was you know i mean a, quite a quick bowler at one point um but it's hard to go on. I mean, sorry, the other thing I was going to say, you're talking about finances. One of the difficulties Ireland have as well, and this year is in serious issue from, that they changed the whole structure of how Irish cricketers are pay, paid at the end of last year. It used to be primarily you, you, you got sort of um, a, a, a year, the contract for the year, out of a, a majority of, it, of the contract, the value of the contract was just for being on, on contract as opposed to mm-hmm. playing matches. Now yeah. they changed it, and the vast majority of your fees are not after what you earn the year comes from match fees, which obviously, with very few games this year, the players are getting not very much money this year, and that's a, mm-hmm. that's an issue. And particularly the younger players, if if you have no family or anything else to worry about, it's not so bad. You can live on it, on the on the on the on, your, on the contract alone. But you know, if that, if this was to go on for another year or two, like, you know, another. I mean, if, if COVID's still around to the extent. That you have to go down the same road we're going down now. I mean, playing the test match there, playing the Ireland games on, on the next six or seven days, where it is, every like the time it is, that's not sustainable in the long term. No. You know, I mean, you couldn't add that. You see, Ireland couldn't play any home games, really, probably. I don't know, how would you have a bubble? Because there's no infrastructure in the grounds. <laughs> I mean, there's no, I mean, you, you can do it in England because you've got big stands, you've got a hotel on site. We don't have that here. I mean, every time we play a home test match, if we're going to play like the England say, for example, it costs anywhere between a quarter of a million and half a million to put up the infrastructure for one game. And that's not, that's just not sustainable at any length of time. And that's one of the reasons why Ireland effectively cancelled. This is long before COVID. This happened in sort of January or even December, in some case, that the test matches Ireland was supposed to have were actually cancelled this year. We couldn't afford, we couldn't afford to host them. Also, we also... Bangladesh were coming here initially for the test match. That was switched to um, ODIs and T20s. And we couldn't afford to host them all either. And we actually, I think we had going to have four games, I think, we had arranged to play in England. So we can't even play our home matches now. Because, and this all goes back to when we became a full member, probably three years earlier than we expected to. We also anticipated getting much more money from the ICC than we ever got. Mm-hmm. And we're not getting that now. And the prospects are probably going to get less now because the ICC sort of funding to the countries in Ireland and Afghanistan are at the bottom end of that rung um, for the for the twelve the thir- twelve members uh, full members. Um, Ireland are going to end up in a situation where they got they got their money in July, so all the countries did. But the next tranche in January was my, very much predicated, I understand it, on the World T Twenty going ahead in Australia in October, which of course is not going to happen now. So mm. the expectation or the possibility certainly is. 
that come January, Ireland will get a lot less, even less than they have now. And that's going to cause a lot of difficulties for funding cricket in Ireland. And keep it at a level. Um, I mean, we're playing three formats now. And uh, that is very, very difficult. Not just because of the number of players we have. Uh, and there are a lot, a lot of younger players coming through. But they will only come through at a decent rate if they're playing enough high-class cricket. I mean, we're, I mean, the problem is the, 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 home, the home system here is we've got effectively got three, three teams, effectively, that play at, at, at first-class level. Uh, Leinster Lightning, Northern Knights, and Northwest Warriors. And there's an extra team, Munster Reds, play in the T20 trophy. But, I mean, we don't have any. I mean, all of the, the, the three-day games is the first-class game. Every single one of this has been cancelled this year. There's no three-day red ball cricket in Ireland at all this year. None. Now, they're going to play the, T, the T20s and they're going to play the 50-over sort of back-to-back September, August, August, September. But that, again, is dependent on COVID not getting worse. I mean, the figure, our figures, again, the last few days have gone back up again. And if that continues to happen, they could be cancelled. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what, what I'm hearing there is that with my Irish passport, I've got a chance of getting a game in the next couple of years. Oh, you've an Irish passport, have you? Yeah, I have, I have indeed. Yeah, you, I have but, indeed. But can you play cricket? Oh, <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can play cricket with the best of them. Not very well, but I can play okay, with them. Yeah, yeah, I can still do that myself. Um, but um, no, no. Sorry, go on. I was, I was going to say, so with the lack of money and with the kind of lack of yeah. opportunities, could we actually see the cycle that kind of Ed Joyce, Boyd Ranking, Owen Morgan, kind of England kind of almost plucking your best players and go, actually, welcome to the England setup? I we'll doubt it. I, I actually doubt that. I think that happened because Ireland were associate nations at the time. They weren't a full member. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would be very surprised if that happens. Um, but because you still have likes of Joe Denley, sure. Why would you need like <laughs> Joyce? Um, no, I don't think that will happen. I would be surprised if it does happen. If that happens, it will be it would be a very severe blow to cricket in Ireland. It really would, yeah. and it would actually be could well be the death knell of cricket in Ireland at that sort of level. And I would I, I don't see it happening. I think I don't. There are enough young players, but they need the chance. This year is a white a wipeout for them. You know, some of them will you will see on Thursday and the, and the next uh, whatever Sunday and Tuesday is. Um, you know, you'll see some of those players. Some of them are already seen because I, I don't know if you saw the games against the, the West Indies in uh, January or not. Um, and Afghanistan games were streamed actually as well as Afghanistan they play in the T Twenties. And some of those players, the young Delady. I mean, for example, West Indies, Ireland beat them in one of the T20Is and should have beat them in a, in a 50 over game, except they missed two absolute nailed on runouts in the last over. <laughs> and they lost by a wicket when they should have walked it, walked home. Mark O'Dare dropped two, two balls, one after the oh, other, in space, of, in space of three deliveries. Dropped Got a the touch of the twice. Nathan Lyons. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Gee, but he did it twice. <laughs> I think the FMI's might have got it the second time, but um, you know, we lost it. But you know, in those games, for example, Gareth Dillian was talking about they West Indies have a not, I think it was a T20 game, but it was a T20 game. They have a Hayden, Hayden Walsh who had played for the USA and it's a very decent league spinner. He actually caused Ireland a lot of problems. But Delaney in one of the games hit him for four successive sixes, which no Irish player has ever done in any format of the game ever, you know. Um, so he's a hitter, you know, but as I said earlier, I don't see him as an opener in 50 over cricket. I suspect that's what will happen. And the danger then, of course, if he fails opening, he gets left out and somebody else, because we're in the strange situation of, even though it's, I mean, most squads are 14, and Ireland have nine of 14 team squad, because, because of the eight reserves are still there and still in the bubble, they actually can change the team from match to match, apparently. So mm. if, one of the players, two of the players, because you know, has a poor enough game, gets left out. They can bring in somebody from outside. I mean, somebody like young, um, young Larkin Tucker now, who's a wicketkeeper batsman. I mean, he has played all Gary Wilson, um, has been left out for him in, in, uh, in 50 over games for the last two series. So he's played six games in a row. He's been left out for the first one as well this time. So Larkin Tucker's in it. But the risk is that you know, Gary Wilson could go back in, you know. Gary Wilson is a decent cricketer, but he's got very few runs the last two years. Yeah. And that's the reality. Um, 
We, I, I was having a read of Cricket Europe earlier, catching up on some of your articles, um, and I read one that was slightly less than complimentary uh, of the administration of Irish cricket. Um, that, that, we, yeah, that's the one I had told me about earlier today. We, it was the one the day after. It was part two of the one about the, the 25 under 25. It was the next day. And that was the night of the Cricket Ireland Awards on the, that evening. And yeah. I went along to them. I think some people didn't expect me to go along, but they did. Um, <laughs> yeah, they actually were very upset. Now, in yeah. fairness, Barry Chambers, who is the editor of Cricket Europe, he put it up on Twitter, my piece, but he put up a photograph alongside it. Now, if you if you if you read you read the article, if you remember, I never named anybody. Yeah, um, I just called the senior executive, but he put up a photograph <laughs> of three people, <laughs> one of whom I wouldn't have put in it at all. I wouldn't one of the three I wouldn't have put up, um, and uh, they were pretty humped about it now. In fact, they were very very pissed off. In fact. I got sort of like a greeting when I arrived at the hotel of the, the media manager basically saying, oh, you're in trouble, you're in trouble, do you know? I said, why, why am I employed by Cricket Iron there or something, am I, do you know? Um, you know, and look, yeah, I mean, the players had no problem with it. The players came across and talked to me and everything else, Mark there, Andy Balberni, I know it well, do you know, um, Kevin O'Brien. Uh, but some of the ministers felt I'd betrayed Irish cricket by writing something like that. We're we're big fans of sort of um, administrative in administrative intrigue on this show. Have you? Could you briefly sort of um, out, outline what the problems with the with cricket in Ireland are? Well, you see, look, in fairness, and, and I have to clarify this in the sense that I put it into context. I mean, Warren Dutram has been CEO of Cricket Ireland since two thousand, late two thousand and six, um, and all then the next sort of top ranking person in the cricket side of it would be um, Richard Holdsworth who is the high performance director. Both of them are English. Um, and initially they did very well. Holzworth did a, I'm sorry, um, Dutrum did a great job, I have to say, um, because Ireland would not have got full member status without his abilities in being able to sort of politically, and the political arena that is the ICC and yeah. Dubai or wherever it happens to be any given time, you know. And they've done a very good job. But I mean, if you're 14 years in any job at the top, you know, it's like a captain in a dressing room. You know, you hear the same thing over and over again. You know, I mean, I could write Warren Doom speeches for him now. I know what he's going to say before he says it now because he says the same things all the time now. I mean, one of his great metrics he uses uh, for how successful Irish cricket is and has used this like the last two years at the, at the annual dinner is how many social media interactions we get. <laughs> well, social media <laughs> Sounds a lot like Jack. <laughs> they're very important. <laughs> they are, but yeah, that's, but that's one of the great metrics we use for just saying how well cricket, our cricket Ireland is doing. Mm-hmm. It's a joke. So, yeah. um, not in social media interactions, but in actual numbers, how do you think cricket, uh, Irish cricket, is going to do in these next three games? Uh, I said earlier. I think I said to Jack earlier today. Uh, I would be very. I would delight if we win one of them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely delighted to win one of them. I I think the reality probably is we won't, but there's enough talent in the team. If they all, I mean, like I mean, obviously T20 cricket only takes a couple of players to come off. In 50 over cricket, you need maybe four or five. But the the capability is there among those players, the, the four or five. Now the English team, there is obviously that you mentioned some of the players already on. There's some exceptionally good players in there, but there's some sort of relatively unknown players. So. How they perform could actually change the thing, you know, and I could change the whole the whole thing up and down. It will come down to the bowling. The Irish bowling were appalling last Sunday in the, the, the Irish line, appalling, you know. Um, and we seem to have three spinners now likely to play. Okay, Gareth Anini is an all-rounder. He's one of them. The other two are more like spinners. I know they can bat a bit, but there weren't yeah, many spinners. You know, on I mean, that front, just think, when uh, England played Afghanistan and yeah. they were mainly spinners, yeah. Owen Morgan hit the record number of sixes in innings. So uh, he's, he's bang in the middle. We've also got Tom Banton, who's fresh from uh, kind of the Pakistan Super League. That's right. Um, so he's pretty good. Yes. Vince was one of the top run scorers in the Big Bash. <laughs> yes. I mean, yes. these people aren't very well known, are they, really? <laughs> no, no, I'm saying, I, I'm saying, to, no, I I, I'm not saying they're not well known in England. I'm saying in Ireland. Yeah, all ah. these guys wouldn't be well known, you know. So, I mean, if these sort of some of the cricket supporters would be looking at the team saying, "Oh, 
I don't know about him. I don't know who he is. Who I don't know who he is. People who follow cricket will know who they are. You know, but um, and certainly I presume the Irish Ireland players will know who they are. And in fairness, I mean the likes of you know they're, they're, there's a very very good analyst system there. Um, so I mean every you know they will know who they are. The Irish players will know who they are. They ask what the capabilities are. And it comes down to you know I mean I remember I wrote a piece about before the 2015 World Cup. When Ireland went on a sort of a climatization tour to Australia and New Zealand, New Zealand as well, I think that about the October before the World Cup, which was in March, and they had an appalling time, absolutely appalling. <laughs> I mean, they ended up they couldn't beat sort of the up country eleven from, you know, Wagga Wagga. You know I mean? They were losing, and I wrote a piece just as big. I said, if you know the old adage there, the old saying in theatre, you know, that, a, you know, a very bad dress rehearsal sort of, you know, usually is a good indication of, 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 of it been all very all right on the night. Mm. And I think about the opening line I had on the thing was, you know, if that is true, then West Indies in, some, in for some hell of a thumping in the first game <laughs> in, 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 in Hamilton. And they did. They beat them, thumped them, comfortably actually that day, that night. You know, so hopefully it'll be something like that because Sunday Sunday was similar to what they did in Australia in the Climatization Tour, something similar to that. Um, whether... It's a great platform as well, right? It's a great platform for your players. It's the only cricket that's going to be live on. It's going to have loads of people watching and actually they Absolutely. can make a star out of themselves. And it's also really. the only game that Ireland will play this year at international level. Yeah, for the rest of the year. So I mean, yes, it is, and there are an incentive for a number of the younger players if they really perform to set down a marker that they are better than some of the old guard, and they should be persevered with. And I think over the next three days, it may not happen every game, but one or two of those players will step up. And yeah, you'll okay. be impressed with them. You know, the likes of Harry Tector, likes of Gareth Delaney, maybe Larkin Tucker. And there's still so who aren't sort of considered as young anymore, but there's still players now you know, around their, their late 20s, late 20s, who are still very, very good cricketers. You know, unfortunately, the opportunity has not been there this year. I know it hasn't been for English players either. Obviously, it hasn't. But, you know, they, the English players have a county system. They will be playing county cricket at the end of the year, and some of them will be anyway. Um, Ireland have nothing of any consequence to play for. And we don't know when our next games are. We don't know. When, I mean, okay, the future tours... Uh, program is there for two, 2021. How that would look now at the end of this year, I've no idea. And obviously, how Ireland will do, how Irish players will develop, it very much depends on how many games they get. Because we saw last year, Irish, the Irish second or the Irish A team, the Wolves, or the Irish Wolves, as I know, you know, they actually started to get some decent matches. Before that, they had got, they used to play, literally used to play like Bath. And Gloucestershire seconds. That was their only games to play every year. And sometimes even playing those wasn't enough because some of the senior players, like Ed Joyce and uh, Kevin O'Brien, I think, and maybe doing Justin, but Ed Joyce certainly and several other players, Porterfield, they actually would play in those games because they wanted a knock. Yeah. Well, Audrey, um, I think I think um, that just about, me now. that just about covers everything. Um, and in the interest of yeah, fitting in the rest of our show. Uh, <laughs> I think that's it. Where can people find you uh, on the internet well, me, or, or read? Uh, um... uh, find me on uh, Cricket Europe Ireland. Uh, it's a very, it's a very, very good website. It does covers cricket in Europe, and it specialises in Ireland because all of the people who run it are from Ireland. Um, <laughs> so I write there. I'll have a preview piece up tomorrow, I think, or about yeah, tomorrow I'm writing it tomorrow. Um, and I write. I. I, I don't write that often. I write sort of, I prefer quality to quantity, although my pieces are quite often over 4,000 words, which is <laughs> um, But I would write, you know, it depends if, 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 tour, if matches are going ahead, I'd write more regularly. Um, sometimes I might write for a couple of months, you know, um, mm-hmm. whenever the mood takes me. So you find me in that. But Cricket Ireland, you'll get a very good, a very, very good picture of Cricket Ireland, of Cricket in Ireland from Cricket Europe including it's the only side that covers every single game Ireland have ever played at any level since 1855 or whatever oh, it is. Yeah. And every single, this, every profile of every player, the stats of every player, the stats of every game Ireland have ever played at any level is there. I, th- so, I think we need I think we need one of those for our cricket team, Jack. I think we need, <laughs> this could come yeah, profile. You know, right, yeah, well, you know, I don't think yours go far as back as 1855. So I suggest you might have done, but who knows. All right. Thank you, Audrey. Thank you for joining us. I hope that was okay for you, lads. Perfect. Brilliant. Thank okay. you very much. Thanks. Cheers. Bye.
Morning, everyone. It's uh, not exactly what we wanted to see. The three umpires, Darrell Hare and Terry Prue and Len King, just going out uh, to see what they can do and to see if there's any decision that uh, they might be able to make. At the moment, it's only going to be that they'll make another inspection a little later on when uh, they can uh, say that... The has stopped and then perhaps there might be the chance of a, a later start it remains uh, very frustrating to Audrin for uh, joining us and giving us those insights on Irish cricket um, we will be back next week with another show you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the cricket pod um, but as we were saying earlier in the show please tell a friend and subscribe on Apple Podcasts thank you very much for listening goodbye bye bye <laughs>